God's Word once again to Ephesians chapter 6, and we've been spending some time over the last number of weeks uh, looking at this, about the spiritual, the armor of God and how we're in a spiritual battle, and this, this morning we're going to be thinking about the, the belt of truth, and we'll read um, verses, I think just verses 13 and, and 14 this morning um, together. So let's read Ephesians chapter 6, reading from verse 13 down to verse 14. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Amen. May God bless to us the reading of His holy word. Verse 13 begins with an important word in Scripture, and that is the word therefore. And you've heard me say it before, that when we see a therefore, we must ask, what's it there for? And it's a really, it's a really important principle when we come to Scripture, because it, it, it shows us that what has been said re- refers um, to the context of what has just been um, spoken about. So, what's this therefore, therefore, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day? So, why does Paul say therefore at the beginning of verse 13? Well, we know we've spent at least two Sunday mornings over the last number of weeks looking at the first we um, part of, of Ephesians 6 verses 10 and um, probably down to verse 12 where Paul has been showing the church that we live in uh, this place where we are in a spiritual battle, that there are evil forces at work. They are very real and very present, that we as God's people, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We're naive to think as Christians that we can just sleepwalk to heaven. There is a spiritual battle that we are in as God's people. And I love how it says in Philippians chapter 4, My God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that this morning, that God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus, that God supplies all of our needs. It's that beautiful principle that we see at the beginning of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It is such a beautiful thing to be able to say that God is with me and for me. He's going to give me everything I need. I I lack nothing. That doesn't mean you're going to get everything in this life. It doesn't mean you're going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be a million pounds in your bank account and there's going to be lovely cars in your driveway and you're going to get to go on holidays and cruises. That's not what that's saying. But everything that we need, and according to God's plan, He will supply for us as His people. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I lack nothing. He saves us. He justifies us. He redeems us. He sanctifies us. He's ascended and he's gone to sit at the right hand of God the Father forever interceding for us. I once read that, could you imagine if you could hear the prayers that Jesus are praying over you right now, how very much different your life would be? To imagine if Jesus was sitting in the the vestry and we knew that he was praying for us in there. 
how much more boldly you would be as a Christian. Well, it's, friends, it's just very much the same. You might not be sitting in that vestry as a person, but he's sitting at the right hand of God the Father forever interceding for you. He's covering you in prayer. That should change everything about how boldly we approach things. And he's gone to prepare a place for us. And while we wait for that glorious and wonderful inheritance to become a reality and our lived experience, that he's still supplying our every need, that God has given his people armor to wear, to guard us and cover us in this life so that we can withstand the evil one. Therefore, he says, take up the whole armor of God. So because it is true, so because there is an enemy, so because your reality will be one of spiritual warfare, so because attacks and, 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 and evil things and spiritual forces will battle and wrestle against you as a follower of Jesus, take up the whole armor of God. Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the Word of God. Those are the, the bits of armor that, that, that Paul speaks about here. And we'll talk about another one in a moment. And what he's showing us there is that as followers of Jesus, that we are utterly dependent upon God for everything. Many of you have said that you identified last, uh, I think it was last Sunday that I, I mentioned about how we can often be in a spiritual battle, um, but we sadly often use natural um, you know, ways to retaliate and fight against that and, and we're, how we're using the wrong tools within the spiritual battle. And many of you said that that had been your reality, that you agreed with that. Well, my prayer is that as we journey through Ephesians 6, that yes, we now know that there's a spiritual um, warfare taking place, that we, we have these um, evil forces that will come against us as God's people, that we will grow in maturity in how we respond to these things. That knowing that God has supplied for us the spiritual armor that we can don, that we can wear, that will allow us the ability to stand against the evil one. And that's the call, that we stand against the evil one in the evil day. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And, and, and what that means, that when it's talking about that evil day, it doesn't just mean that there's going to be one day, you know, in four years' time uh, on, in June, I'm not going to say a date in case it's someone's birthday, that there's going to be a day marked on a calendar um, where, where that's going to be a, a day where there's going to be really, really bad battles. But when it's speaking about the evil day, it's talking about this, this ongoing spiritual warfare that's intensifying that we're living in as God's people as the return of Jesus approaches and comes nearer. That the great day of the Lord is coming, but until that, we are going to be living in this intensified spiritual warfare. There's going to be an increase in conflict, an increase in persecution. And friends, do we not see that? We see that in our media, we see that in the news, we see that over the world. We even see that in our politics as well. And as we journey through this life, friends, we must be prepared for battle. And that's what Paul is speaking about here. Because there's this unseen war taking place that we feel, we experience in the natural, although it's taking place in, 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 the, in the spiritual places that we might not be able to see with the, the naked eye, that we feel the effects of them, we know that they exist, we know that they're there. But to help us, God has given us the ability to stand, and Paul 
adopts this illustration, this um, illustration that is the original readers and his original audience would have been able to, to visualize and, and to see. That he, he adopts this illustration here of this Roman soldier. And Paul, in ab- the, um, to be able to, to teach the, the church in Ephesus and also us here today, he pulls from what um, armor that a Roman soldier would have had if he was going to battle. And he pulls six pieces of the, the Roman soldier's outfit. The belt, the breastplate, shoes, a shield, a helmet, and a sword. But Paul then himself adds a seventh. He adds a seventh bit of armor that God's people should have. And that is prayer. That prayer is part of our approach to spiritual warfare. So it was six within the Roman soldiers, but Paul adds one himself and he adds prayer. So that makes seven. So that is a really important point for us. Because whenever we see the number seven, seven in scripture is the number of perfection or completion. And actually there's a principle here that we see that actually this armor that God has given us is complete. It lacks nothing. That we as God's people, we have everything that we need because of God and in accordance to his mercy and his sovereignty and in accordance to his plans that he has given his people, he's given his bride everything that they need so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. We lack nothing as we are God's people and he is our shepherd. And in verse 13, Paul gives a command, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And within this command, he's given this command, you know, put on God's armor so that you can stand. But there's also a promise within this that as God's people, as you clothe yourself in his armor, you're going to have the ability as God's followers, as God's people to stand against the evil day. Stand firm that you may able to withstand. Stand firm so that you can be victorious. And what's important, maybe it doesn't really flow as well in the English, but what's really important that we see here is that it's not that we stand up and then we put on the armor, but because we have the armor on, we're able to stand up. Do you see how that works? It's not that you have to stand up and then you put on the belt and then you put on the shoes and then you put on the helmet. You have the belt on, you already have the shoes on, you have the helmet on, you have all of God's armor upon you. And with that being the case, friends, you can stand. You can stand and be victorious because of Jesus. For us to stand, we must first put on the armor of God. And that's why he says, stand in verse 14, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. You see how that's already implying that it's already done. You already have the belt of truth on around you. That's when you can stand. When you have these pieces of of spiritual armor already clothed upon yourself. Having fastened the belt of truth. In Roman times, when a Roman soldier tightened his belt, it was an indication that he was now ready for combat. 
that he was now ready to engage in battle. He was now ready to engage in war. The phrase is like, um, I think it's in the King James, if any of you are familiar with that, doesn't really read as, as well as we would kind of talk nowadays. It's very different English that it uses, but it probably points closer to the original um, uh, indication of what Paul is saying here. We talk about having fastened on the belt, but in, in the King, I think it's in the King James, it talks about having girded up your loins with truth. Having girded up your loins with truth. And that's because the process of this, how a soldier would fasten his belt was that he would draw up his tunic and tighten it around himself when he went into battle. A tunic was what many people wore, and a soldier was no different. And it was a kind of long garment. And for them to be able to go into battle so that they weren't impeded when they, you know, they made any fast movements or, or they were in strenuous combat, they didn't want to be restricted by what they would wear. So they would gird up their, 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 um, their loins and, and, and tie it around themselves, this, this tunic that they had. And this has Old Testament kind of overtones, and it's very strange language for us. But let me try and explain what girding up your loins means, what it would look like. You would have this long kind of flowing garment on, and you would kind of try to pull it through your legs, and you would tie it around your waist so that you could go and you wouldn't be impeded. So when you took a step forward, it wouldn't restrict you at all. So we're not restricted as God's people, but it also implies that we're ready for action. When we have this belt of truth fastened on us, that we are ready for battle. As we thought about with the boys and girls, with, when we looked at the, the, the belt this morning, it was the same for the Roman soldiers. The, the belt that they would wear held things in place. It wasn't a fashion statement. It was a vital um, part of their armory. And, and it's, you know, the, the sword would, would uh, sit within it. And, and that's probably why we, we will see a bit of overlap between the belt of truth, but also the sword, um, um, which indicates that the word of God, will, which we'll see in a, in a few weeks' time. I think it's in verse 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, how the two of them are kind of um, closely linked because the sword would, would rest within the, the, the belt that the Roman soldier would wear. It was a fundamental piece of armor for the soldier. And to be able to stand, a soldier's belt must be fastened because if it wasn't, things would then fall apart. It was a vital bit of their armory. And Paul likens this and links this to um, the, the spiritual armor that we wear, having fastened on the belt of truth. So what does this mean? What does Paul mean by truth here? How does this relate to the, the, the belt that the Roman soldiers would wear? And, and how does Paul use this word truth? It's been a, a, a debate with, with many different scholars and commentaries will kind of show you different things. I personally kind of think, which we'll see, it's a bit of both and. But I'll explain that in a few moments. When the Bible speaks about truth, what are we reading? Well, we see Jesus in his earthly ministry in John 8, verses we spoke about with the boys and girls a wee while ago, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus later goes on to say, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. 
Jesus declared that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We see, I think it's in John 1, um, when we read about the Word becoming flesh, it later goes on and it talks about um, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And, and what I would posit is that in Jesus and in Scripture, we have God's revealed truth to us. And that truth is lasting. It doesn't wilt. It doesn't fade away. That, that Jesus is the direct representation. He's the Word made flesh. But also, God's Word is truth. That's why Jesus says, sanctify them in your truth. Your Word is truth. You know, God cannot lie. It's a verse in the Old Testament I think it's in Numbers where it says, you know, God is not a man that he can lie. It's impossible for God to speak anything other than truth because he is truth. And just as the belt held things together for the Roman soldier, so too does the truth of God, friends. It holds everything we are and everything we believe together. It is the foundation upon which we stand and we build our life, the truth of God. How do you know who you are? How do you know why and how you are here? How do you know what to do? How do you know how to respond to things that happen in this life? How do you know that it's all, if you're in Christ, it's all going to be okay ultimately in the end? How do you make any sense of this world and the things that happen, the, the, the rubbish bits that come, the, the dross that comes our way? How do you navigate through them? How do you find your purpose? How do you know how to live your life? The truth will set you free. And without the truth found in God, our world falls apart. And that's exactly what we've seen since Genesis chapter 3, when the enemy said, did God really say? He took the truth of God, he turned it around, and he lied about it. And ever since that moment, our world has been falling apart. We live in a world that I, I, I honestly think is just rejecting any sort of truth. They, 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 they can't stand it. They can't stomach it. You know, I know it's a really kind of um, extreme version, but even within kind of social media stuff, you know, the amount of filters that are available to us now so that we don't have to show people what we really look like. You know, we don't want to put the real image of Norman Afrin on that phone screen because, man, people don't need to see that. You know, I feel sorry for those that watch on YouTube on a Sunday morning. I wish there was some sort of filter that I could put on for them. You know, we want to conceal things. We want to hide things. You know, don't you just want to hear a politician tell the truth for once? Just tell the truth. No lies. Don't swerve answers and try and tiptoe around things so you can navigate and construct an answer that you want to give to a question that wasn't asked. Why is that? Because we need truth. We need truth. Why? Because it's truth that sets us free. And truth is only found in Christ. 
You want to be an effective Christian? Be bound to God's truth. Know it. Read it. Pray it. Preach it. Proclaim it. Live it. Without God's truth, we're lost. We need His truth. His truth sets us free. Without it, we're like a sea, a, a ship at sea being tossed about without anything to hold us firm. We're tossed about by the waves and the currents are taking us here and there. We don't know whether we're coming or whether we're going. But friends, those of us who are in Christ, who stand for truth, who live in the truth, who know the truth, who know the truth has set us free, who, who know that Jesus is not just the way, not just the life, but Jesus is the truth, we have this anchor that keeps our soul, don't we? We know that it doesn't matter what comes our way, the, the, the rubbish that happens, the lies that are said, the things that look to shake our lives and our world, we know ultimately that in Christ we have this truth that has set us free. And we have seen and spoken about over the last number of weeks about the constant attack on God's truth from this world. And I've spoken about as well how we've seen it sneak into pulpits and, and we've seen people tell lies and live lies. And, and that's why the Apostle Paul on numerous occasions encourages the readers of his letters to be wary of outside corrosive influences that creep in. Stay true to the gospel that I taught you. That's what Paul says. You know, don't leave the gospel message that I preached to you, that you first believed in. Why? Because the truth is fundamentally important to God's people. A church that doesn't preach God's truth in its entirety, a church that doesn't preach the cross, preach Christ and Him crucified, a church that don't proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is not the church. Truth should be the most shaping factor in the life of a Christian. Not worship styles, not ministers' fashions, not things that we want pleasing to our eyes within a sanctuary or anything like that. But the, the pressing question that should be upon our hearts is, is truth preached here? Is truth proclaimed here? Does this place stand on the Word of God? Does this place try to live out the Word of God to the best of their abilities? For truth is essential for victory. I'll say it again, because it's the truth that sets us free. Lies cover, lies conceal, lies bind us, but the truth, the truth sets us free. It reveals, it uncovers, it points, it sees our guilt, it sees our shame, and it speaks life into even the deadest of places. But the truth sets us free. You want to be able to stand in the day of evil until the Lord comes, be a person of truth. Know God's truth and let it shape your life. And because truth is the belt that we fasten around us, and we'll see how that connects to the, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, in a few weeks' time. Because truth is the belt that we fashion around us. Friends, fasten it tight. Fasten it tight to you. 
For without the truth of God, there's no point in us being here. It is only the truth of God that can dismantle the lies and the deceitfulness of the devil. And friends, when we begin to neglect God's word and we stop reading it and we stop standing for the truth and we stop living the truth and we stop praying the truth and we stop preaching it and proclaiming it, we begin to wander off away from Jesus and his cause and we become lost. And maybe in your own life you think that that belt of truth has begun to you know, become a little looser than it should be. Well, take this moment to fasten it even tighter. God, bind your truth to me. Let it be the air I breathe. Let it be the reason that I exist for your truth, for your kingdom, and for your glory. And when we speak of truth here, this is what I was talking about. There's different scholars say different things. Is, is this truth talking about internal truthfulness that God's people should be truthful or is it pointing to an external truth this kind of objective truth that is God's truth I think it's both and I think the two go together because if we know God's truth that is that if it's set us free then the fruit of that is that we become a person of truthfulness we don't want to be part of the enemy's plans and schemes and ways and lifestyles anymore. Your life should marry up. It should all be straight and aligned. And that's part of what this um, truthfulness is pointing to is, is like being a, a, as straight as an arrow. It should all marry up. You should be, if you believe in the truth of God and you're walking with Jesus, then you should be a person of truthfulness, not a, not a hypocrite. Saying one thing and, and doing another. And that's part of this. This isn't just lip service to saying, yeah, I know God's truth is important, but actually it should become an internal part of us that actually it's the reason why we do things. We're guided and governed by the very truth of God. And again, this is what we see the Apostle Paul speak about when he's, he's talking about false teachers and false prophets and, and all that kind of stuff within the epistles in the New Testament. And really, in the most simplest way, the principle is be careful of people who, who know doctrine, but their lives don't live out those beliefs. If you truly know the truth of God, it begins to change who you are you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what Romans tells us. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. As the truth of God is, is being preached over us, as we, as we read it and come to know it, and we, we know who God is, and we begin to see more about His plans and His ways and, and, and the beauty of His kingdom and, and the, the, the splendor of His glory, friends, we can't help but be changed. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And God's truth became a person. The Word made flesh. And because of that, we can know it. Because of that, we can be found by it. For Jesus is not just the way, not just the life, but He is the truth as well. 
And what's amazing is that Paul doesn't come up with these ideas by himself. Yes, he had been thinking about Roman soldiers and stuff, but, but he's also, um, and we talked about this a number of weeks ago, he is um, being encouraged by, by what we see, and he's drawing on Isaiah's depiction of who, um, who the, the, the messianic king would be. Who God's chosen. Isaiah 11.5 says this, Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And, and Isaiah is speaking, um, uh, and, and within that there's a prophetic declaration about who the, the Messi- Messianic king would be, about who Jesus would be, that Jesus would be someone who uh, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And here, I'm convinced of it, that, that Paul is calling to mind these things that, he, that Isaiah already has spoken about hundreds of years prior to him writing to the church in Ephesus. And we'll see how there's different connections to what Isaiah says and how he, how he paints this picture of the Messianic king and, and how Paul calls the, the body of Christ to be armed and clothed, ready for battle, how they're so closely linked to one another. Faithfulness, Isaiah said, 11, will be the belt of his loins. Fasten, Paul says, the belt of truth around yourself. Because this isn't just about spoken truth. This isn't just about doctrine. But the word used for truth in Ephesians 6 can be translated as reality, sincerity, truth in the moral sphere, divine truth revealed to man, and straightforwardness. And that is what we see in Isaiah 11 with the word faithfulness being used to describe the, the, the belt of lo, the, the loins on the, the messianic king, which again could point to straightforwardness. That actually there's a, a correlation and a joining of the dots between what we say and what we live as God's people. And just as we draw things together to a close this morning, friends in Christ, we find a steadfastness that we can't find anywhere else in this world and in this life. A truth that sets us free. And in Christ, we have the ability to stand firm and not be shaken. We are part of a kingdom, the Bible tells us, that will never be shaken. How is that possible? How is it possible to be part of a kingdom that will never be shaken? Because it's a kingdom that is built on truth. There's no lies in it. There's no corruption in it. Is a kingdom that is built on truth. And just as we draw our thoughts together to a close, I think we see this beautiful image of the belt of truth at work in Jesus' life. As Jesus has been arrested, you think about what Isaiah has said about faithfulness, faithfulness, the, the belt of his loins. And then Paul says, you know, Fasten the belt of truth. Well, as Jesus has been arrested and he's been tried, uh, we, we read in, in Mark's gospel these words, and with this we, we come to a close this morning. Mark 14, verse 56. This is talking about the people who came before Jesus, the, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Now, the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death but they found none. For many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not agree. They tried to tell lies about the one who is truth. 
and their lives fell apart. Why? Because faithfulness is the belt of the messianic king's loins. And we as his people, as the body of Christ, we are encouraged to fasten that belt of truth around us, knowing that yes, lies may be spoken, lies will come, the devil's schemes and plans will come against us. We wrestle against principalities and powers. That we are in Christ and we are secure. And that is a wonderful thing to know that God's truth has set us free. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your truth. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that you cannot lie. We thank you for the promises that you've given to us, Lord. And even though they might not be our lived reality yet, Lord, we thank you that your promises are yes and amen in the person of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We thank you, Jesus, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, just as we see in Mark 14 where they tried to tell lies and they bore false witness against you, Lord, to try and cause schemes to get things to stick against you that were untrue, we thank you, God, that ultimately that truth prevailed, that they couldn't get their lies to stick against the one who is truth. So Jesus, would your truth be at work in this place? Maybe we are people of the truth. And may the doctrine and the beliefs that we hear, may they transform our minds and may they make us more like you, Jesus, we pray. For we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.